Hi guys and happy Monday. Today I am officially seven days sober, which is wild and so exciting. Um, I know on one hand I feel kind of silly saying that out loud because I'm sure there are plenty of people who've spent the last day not drinking, last seven days not drinking. Um, however, for me, this is a big deal and I'm really proud of myself and excited to, you know, continue on this journey, so to speak. I am so, 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 so excited to share this episode with you all with Hope. She is literally sunshine and a human being. I cannot tell you how amazing she is and just eloquent and smart and kind and beautiful inside and out. I am obsessed with her. Um, and I really think that anyone who is either doing a diet January or reassessing their relationship with alcohol, looking to cut back, or even maybe you've never even considered cutting back on alcohol, I highly recommend you listen to this episode with Hope because we talk about a lot of nuances in sobriety and kind of exploring how much our culture normalizes binge drinking, being hungover, having the Sunday scaries, and how we perpetuate that through social media and memes and um, comedy, which on one hand, you know, talking about things or, or giving light to sad topics can be good, but at what point do we take it too far? Um, so that's just a glimpse of what we chat about, but there's so much more, and I really, really recommend everyone listening to this episode. It's personally one of my favorites. Um, but without further ado, here is Hope, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Wow, I hate myself for saying that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be here in person and recording um, with a content creator, a wonderful friend, and like a truly beautiful person inside and out. I have that as a note. Wow, thank you. Um, but it's true. And Hope, is it Woodard? Woodard. But okay. a lot of people like to say Woodward my I whole know, life. It's like, I don't know why, because it's not like a common name, even that, like even Woodward. But it, I always am like Woodward, but no, it's Woodard. No, yeah, I've been, we, like, even when I was in, like, elementary school or middle school, they would, like, call my name for a basketball game or something. They'd be like, Hope Woodward, and we yeah. just deal with it. We just, it's my a thing. My name is so hard to pronounce that people say I get it. All the time, yeah. So, um, so I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What's your story? Totally. Okay. I'm from Tullahoma, Tennessee, which is a small town in Middle Tennessee, uh, right in between the Jack Daniels Distillery, which wow. is a little off-brand for me now, <laughs> um, and the Bonnaroo Music Festival. Oh, cool. And so it's about an hour and a half southeast of Nashville, Tennessee. So as soon as I got a license when I was like 16, I was like driving to Nashville, like going to see shows, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 26. June 26, 1996 is my birthday. Uh, so I guess... So you already had the golden? Yeah, yeah. Just had it. Um, 26, that's my hometown. I went to the University of Tennessee. Go Vols. We uh, are a state school. 
fun school, studied social work there. Yes, yeah. College of Social Work, shout out. Um, what else? That's That was a good summary. Okay. Quick, oh, quick, uh, I guess side note, I forgot to mention that we used to work together at Talkspace. So um, that is how I got to know Hope and um, really happy that I did because otherwise I wouldn't, you wouldn't be here right now. I know. Um, so for some quick background on the purpose of, I guess, this episode and the ones to follow, um, and uh, obviously we talked a little bit off camera slash off mic about this, but I recently come to the the decision that I want to cut out alcohol from my life for the foreseeable future. Um, I kind of, my mentality going into it is like, I want to cut it out until I feel like I truly love myself and I truly like, and then we'll see, you know, where it goes from there because from what I've been hearing and listening to and the the many TikToks I've been watching, everyone's like, it's the best decision I've ever made. Um, I want to say something really quick. Yeah. I love that you said uh, you want to do this until you feel like you love yourself because I am, it was my year, I call it my my sober birthday. Uh, I had my year uh, mark in September Mm -hmm. and I'm the kind of person who I love to write little letters to myself So, like, I'll write a letter to my future self or whatever, right? I know. We love that cheesy stuff. And so, on my sober year anniversary, I wrote a letter to myself. And for the first time, like, ever, like, I've been writing these letters to myself since, like, college, like, camp, whatever. Um, And I wrote at the end of the letter, it's, like, so corny, cheesy, but I wrote, like, I love you, you know? And that's, like, what I tell people all the time is, like, I know myself so much better. I like myself now after giving up alcohol. So I just love that that's your intention. Yeah. Well, I feel like I've just so much more to learn from you even after you saying that. And um, it's interesting because I think in coming to this decision, like I, it took me a while. Like I've always known that I haven't had the healthiest relationship with alcohol. It's weird. I, th- I was talking to my um, friend about this who's sober, and I said, like, I, like, weirdly predicted this when I was little. Like, when I was little, I um, I still have OCD, but, like, I had really bad OCD. And part of me just knew that be- I was, like, if I have, like, when I started learning about eating disorders and alcoholism, I was, like, I have a bad feel about this. Like, though, just the mentality around control with food and lack control or lack thereof with um substances i was like you're gonna have a problem fast forward like however many years and i have like i'm really suffering with anorexia Mm -hmm. and then based around control and then now here i am you know reevaluating my relationship with alcohol and i don't think like i wouldn't consider myself a quote-unquote alcoholic in the sense of if I had a drink now would I like spiral out of control and um, kind of in like the media portrayal but compared to people who I know who can you know go out at night nurse a glass of wine and be content like that was never me 
What I'm thinking, like you saying when you sort of in your day to day, sounds like you like to have control, right? Oh, yeah. And I think when we drink, we get to let go of that control. And it's like you drink, 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 and it's like, oh, the shit that I worry about when I'm sober goes away. Mm-hmm. And so it's not so much being a quote unquote alcoholic or but it, what, what we what we love is being able to get away from our sober thoughts. Exactly. You know, which which so often is like, how can I control my job? How can I control what I eat? How can I control? And for so many of us, previously for me, it was like the only way I could get out of my own head was to like get hammered, mm-hmm. you know? And I loved that fun and I loved that like looseness of it. I like loved not being conscious of my self for a little while yeah but then you chase that for so long you like completely lose control in a different way and you lose yourself you know do you know what's so interesting and like i i just thought of this but like would you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert totally i um i think i'm like smack dab in the middle Mm -hmm. um because like i love to be at a party i love to get to know people if i walk down the sidewalk i'm making eye contact with people yeah i make friends in public like you know i'm not shy at all but i value my alone time so much same same but it's it the reason i ask is because i think there's this like trope that people I mean, it's not, it, it's valid. Like uh, some people, you know, will drink for that like quote unquote liquid courage or to like not have social anxiety. And that's never why I did. Like I could go to a, part or a party dead sober and like dance on the tables and talk to everyone there. So it's kind of weird that despite that and like I have a, a like a really good friend who's like the exact opposite, like very doesn't like is like very introverted doesn't like social settings doesn't like meeting new people as much but has a very healthy relationship with alcohol so it's weird that like even though my personality and your personality is very outgoing very amicable friendly like that both of us still kind of even though we didn't need that liquid courage we like went for it I don't, yeah, I I so resonate with what you're saying because what I think it is is like when I used to go to a party, I just loved having fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I want to ride this wave as long as I can because we love people and I like love connecting. I like, let's play a drinking game. Let me get you a drink. Like if I were to host a party like back in the day, you know, I would make sure everybody had a drink in their hand. And I was so obsessed with like the process of having fun. And so it's not like I needed liquid courage, but I was just like, um, so enjoying the the early moments of drinking like a That's drink so true like a drink two drinks slow and steady is so okay like I'm not the kind of sober person or alcohol free person who thinks like all consumption of alcohol is bad yeah it's really like it's like with everything it's like in moderation it, it can be okay. Like people can totally have healthy relationships with drinking. I was a person though, and I am a person who has a really hard time with moderation. Yep. Uh, and same. And it translates to so many different aspects of my life. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like that is who I am at the party. I like having fun and I like ensuring others have fun. And I'm the one staying out to like 
the 3 a.m. And it's more of like as I've gotten older, I've realized that it's first of all, like my as I've gotten older, my relationship with alcohol has definitely gotten more unhealthy. I totally hear you. Um, But but for me. I resonated with you when you said I was young and I knew I, w- I, ha- I knew this was going to be a problem for mm-hmm. me. When I was in college, I knew I would have to give up drinking if I wanted to sort of be like more in alignment with my values. Interesting. You okay. know, so but in college, it's, you know, I mentioned earlier I went to a state school so it's like drinking was everything we did. It yeah. didn't matter. It's like I think back on it now and I'm like, that is psychotic. Like the way we would drink, we would just get blackout every night all the time. Like and not never get hangovers because we're like hangovers. 19. You'd yeah. roll I'd wake up, I'd like get hammered at a frat party, at like a date party, whatever. I would wake up the next morning, be kind of drunk, go to class, mm-hmm. and then like just start drinking again. And the thing is there is totally a problem with that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in society, that's so normal. Well, in American, specifically in American, like, I can't speak for every college, but like in state schools and SEC schools in the South and sorority and fraternity life, that is not only acceptable, but it's expected. Mm-hmm. It's what everybody's doing. And so even if you know deep down, like, this is an issue, you look around and you're like, oh, but everybody's doing the same thing. And another realization that I had is how we look. I love to make jokes about everything. I think the laughing at things is the way you get through life. Yep. But I think now with like meme pages and like the Sunday scaries and like mm-hmm. we're all laughing about how shitty we feel the next day. That's so and it's like so true. Maybe it's not a joke though, y'all. Like <laughs> maybe maybe we need to like reevaluate. You know what I'm saying? That's like? such a good point. It's it's so true. It's like, I, and I <laughs> shout out Friday beers. Love you guys. Right, love you. Love Had y'all. you on my podcast. Hey. <laughs> but there's a lot of those things of like the, the, the post they have with all the, the regrettable texts. And like, mm. it is almost like there's camaraderie and laughing about how what a shit show we are. We were, right. and yeah. And just borderline dysfunctional. And, and it is true. Like I totally agree. Sunshine's the greatest disinfectant. Or laughter is the greatest enough disinfectant. I love I sunshine, say. though. I, I like sunshine, too. <laughs> but I, you're so right. It's like, at what point is this, like, are we contributing to the process of, like, normalization of something that's not good? <laughs> right. Something that's, like, and here's the thing, because, like, when I think about Friday beer specifically, or, like, you know, they have really created an amazing community, mm-hmm. and I love their content, and I love that what they're doing. Um, and there's a there's connection and here's the thing about substances and moderation like I was saying a glass of wine can really create connection it's when we take it too far that we like lose ourselves don't Mm -hmm. connect with people and lose that community do you know what I mean it's almost like it creates like this feeling of connection in the moment but then once you go home you feel empty with and you don't feel connected to yourself as well Mm. That's such a good point. I'm going to have so many like thoughts running through my mind. Um, I guess, so one thing I kind of am going back and forth between is like the concept of recovery. Mm. Like when I was in the depths of my eating disorder, 
I felt that like, and, and I still feel like that I am in recovery mm-hmm. because, and it, weirdly enough, I was listening to an episode of um, uh, We Can Do Hard Things, which is Glenn Doyle's podcast. I love her. And it was with Brene Brown. So it was oh like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Not Brene. They're like, oh my God. Shut I up. My sober icon. I, I know. And they're both like, oh, both sober icons. And um, she was talking about, like she basically hit the nail on the head of how I was feeling of with food and like, and her relationship with, with eating, like she still feels like it's a battle. It's always in the back of my mind, you know, it's always going to be something I struggle with. Mm. Whereas kind of, as I mentioned, like if I saw like a glass of wine, if I held a glass of champagne, I don't think I'd have that same like urge or like go through the intrusive thoughts so would you consider yourself like in recovery Mm. would you consider yourself an alcoholic Mm. do you think there's a difference or just like alcohol free oh this is so much to unpack okay part one am i in recovery um i've been asked this question before because with sobriety moving more into the mainstream and Mm -hmm. with alcohol-free lifestyles moving more into the mainstream there is this disconnect from people who are in AA, who are straight edge sober, yep. and who cannot participate with substances in any way. And I think they feel a bit slighted or a bit, um, they feel like, I think slighted is the right way to say it because they think, well, you're not like me. Your problem's not as bad as mine. Mm-hmm. So you can't really wear this label. But, so even though I don't, like, identify with the AA um, thought process or, or process of recovery, like, I never had to go through the 12 steps. I never had to do anything like that. Like, the traditional sense of recovery um, is not really my bag. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like for a long time, especially in the earlier days, it was a constant choice every day of not participating in this substance or not posi- yeah. participating in this lifestyle. And when I think about it in a way of like, I have to recover personally from like the stuff in my life that I've done and that has led me to have substance abuse issues. Like that is recovery to me, you know? I love the way you say it. It's like rather than making it a label, making it more of like a verb of. Mm -hmm. It's like a process. Yeah. And it's going to be a process for the rest of my life. Like, you mentioned like holding a glass of champagne in your hand and like how does it make you feel like for me I for a long time was so scared sort of of who I was when I was drinking at my heaviest because and this will you know you asked me uh, do I consider myself an alcoholic I did for a long time um, in the beginning because not like I was waking up and drinking not like I was drinking on my own or anything like that but I just knew that I knew that I needed it to hang out with people. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was like, it had its claws in me a bit, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm not, I don't think I identify now with being an alcoholic, but I definitely know alcohol and substances had a massive c- control on me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think I feel similarly, and I th- and it's interesting that you, you know, bring up the, like, mains the sober lifestyle like sober curious Mm -hmm. damp Mm -hmm. lifestyle whatever you call it Mm -hmm. 
being brought into the mainstream because that is something like as you know I did a like a little bit of a research study on it and seeing how social media affected the sober curious quote-unquote movement Mm -hmm. and it, it like the results show that people were really interested in working on like in assessing or reassessing the relationship with alcohol and so like I left with the question of okay if everyone is basically thinking that their relationship with alcohol maybe isn't the healthiest they want to cut back they want to do dry January like what's preventing people from doing it oh I think I know uh not like I know but you know alcohol companies like big alcohol Hollywood occur talks a lot about this Big alcohol is just like big tobacco, and they have done a fabulous job of making specifically, um, like American culture, making us feel like we cannot have fun, and we are not cool, and we are not hot, and we are not sexy unless we have a glass of wine in our hand. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's the idea of being, like, a fun, cool party girl that we want, but then you actually participate in that way, and you're like, oh, shit, like, I hate this. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, going back to, like, Friday beers, or you could even talk about, like, movies that sort of glamorize, like, heavy drinking. It's like, in a movie, in a clip, in a meme, it doesn't hold any of the actual trauma that comes with drinking too much. Yep. And here's the thing. Sometimes drinking too much can be harmless. Like, it's not like every time I would, like, binge drink or party. It's not like every single time some disaster would happen. But the odds of it happening are pretty high. (laughs) And, like, the one or two times that it does happen, like, suck more than anything. Yeah. It's it's so true. And, like, even I think there's this, like, misconception that, you know, you party hard in college and then once you – go into the real world, everything gets like more civilized and focused. And I've lived in New York and Austin and I can say both cities, there is never, I've never been like, I can't think of many times where people were like, Hey, want to go on a hike this weekend? Even in Austin. Dude, I love that you're bringing this up because when I first got sober, it was like people didn't know what to do with me. Yeah. Like I would have friends and come and visit and they would be like, oh, you don't drink anymore. And I would be like, no. And they would be like, what do you want to do? You know Yeah. What I mean? like, <laughs> Literally like my thing and I, I'd love to hear like how you respond to this is I like have been on, on like dating apps and stuff. Literally 99.9% of the time with a point like one or zero one percent being time I went on a date with someone who was sober who was like do you want to get coffee or grab a drink and I was like fine with either <laughs> like the it's always like oh do you want to grab a drink mm-hmm. granted I don't want to get dinner with this person I don't know them mm-hmm. and so I keep saying yeah <laughs> but I'm like well what do I do do I tell them in advance that I'm not drinking do I just order like a doctor Dr. Pepper, a diet coke mm-hmm. while there like it's so common and like I the fact that I literally can't think of another like and and then you know Matt I have a friend who's a matchmaker and was like coffee dates are terrible because it's not romantic because you need to have like the dim lighting and all this shit I'm like so I'm fucked <laughs> oh god I know what you mean because when I started you know I got sober and I had like an angel of a boyfriend who was who was and still is one of the best guys I know 
Um, and he was so supportive through the whole thing. And without him, I don't know if I would have been able to do it because he just like held me in a position that was so right and so allowed me to explore this by myself. Mm-hmm. But now we've broken up. Still love him, but we're just like you know not together. Um, uh, you know, I would I started my Bumble profile, whatever, and it was like it always has that question like, do you drink or do you not? Like, what substances do you partake in? <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, I don't want everyone to know I'm sober because I don't want that to be like your defining characteristic. Exactly. It's like, uh, who cares? Like, why should it matter? But it does matter. And we were talking about this earlier off script or whatever, off camera, off audio, is people feel uncomfortable when they're confronted with their own drinking habits. Mm -hmm. And so when I say I don't drink, people then have to be like, oh, well, I guess I can't drink now you know what I mean it's like one of two thoughts like the first thought is why Mm -hmm. so especially if on a dating app where it's basically like the Amazon of like the sex you're attracted to Mm -hmm. and you're just you know scrolling and if you see someone doesn't drink like and I'm guilty of this like my first thought is oh like oh gosh Will they, you know, relapse? Well, like I'm, you know, obviously thinking seven steps in the future. Like, what happens if they relapse? Like, what happens if I have to take care of them for the rest of my Wait, life? Wait, that's so funny that you see a profile on Hinge or on Bumble or whatever, and you're like thinking about like, okay, ten years down the line, I'm are like, they gonna okay, relapse? Well, <laughs> what about our kids? Like, will our kids have alcohol? Like, <laughs> the genetics of addiction cannot be in my van now. Like, literally, there already are, I guess. Because, <laughs> because we want to put people in in boxes, mm-hmm. you know. And but you're right, and then it comes to like with friends or acquaintances if I and I'm uh, very sure this will happen when I return to Austin I go out and say oh I'm not drinking anymore why like but you don't you're not a drunk like you you're fine oh my gosh I've got I get so much more drunk than you you're Um, fine people love to ask why and people's favorite question used to be Again, I think this mainstream movement is like really changing the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I like I jumped in, I think, sort of right before. Um, but people's one of their favorite questions is to be like, oh, well, how much were you drinking? And because then they want to know how you much am I drinking? Exactly. Yeah. Because if I was drinking less than you, then I'm OK or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like if you were drinking more than me, then I don't need to reevaluate. But and that's such a reason that, like, I justified my drinking habits for so long. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I have, you know, two glasses of wine while watching, like, The Bachelor on a Monday. But my other friends are going out and, you know, doing ecstasy on a Thursday. So I'm oh fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're older than me. So I'm totally this cool. This is like adulthood. Yeah. Like, totally. oh, if they're doing that, then I'm so good. Totally. <laughs> and I think like, okay, I want to go, I want to go back really quickly. Cause I don't, I don't want to lose this thought. Cause when we were talking about like, what do you do once you get sober? Um, if you can do it, like your whole life kind of opens up and you, you get more creative, right? So like my dates now, I like, Maybe we go and get a drink, but I get a non-alcoholic beer Mm -hmm. or we go on a walk and we just chat. You know what I mean? That's so tough in the early stages, but it gets so much easier. Yeah. I actually saw (laughs) a really funny meme on um, the account fucking sober. Mm -hmm. Love, love them. Brutal recovery. Also a great one. Okay. I'll I'll make sure to check it out because it was like, (laughs) it was like saying like, like I forget like pre-sobriety like want, like as a date like want to grab a drink and it was like 
post sobriety like want to like lie down and look at the stars and talk about like the ar- like the our like thoughts and like how the universe is, exists and Literally. shit and i was like well i do that already <laughs> like, right. what does that mean i'm gonna turn oh into like the biggest like philosophic crazy person well now you'll just talk about those things and you'll remember them <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i'll have like less regret right exactly exactly so what are some things that you've learned about yourself after quitting alcohol um You know, I have a really hard time. I think there are certain people that once their mind is made up about something, it's made up. You know what I mean? Like, I have a really hard time not wavering on my decisions. And for a long time, maybe if I wanted to, like, go on a diet or give up bread or walk every day, like, I could never, like, consistency is tough for me Mm -hmm. because I'm very chaotic. And... I've learned about myself through giving this up that like, oh, I can actually do it. And a want is just a want, you know, it's not a need and I don't have to act on every single want. So I've like found this part of myself where I'm like, I can say no to what I think I want. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And also in the beginning, like, you know, like I said, you, you get sober and you're like, you get so much more creative and you're, you get so much more time. It's like, you know, when you're drinking in college, you don't get hung over. But then you hit 24 and you're oh like, my oh, my God. Like, like what? I can't move for like three days. Oh, my God. I'm taken out. And like not being hung over is just the sweetest prize for not drinking. And like I was watching a movie one time and there was like this scene where this girl was like really hung over. And I was like getting PTSD because I was just like, why would we why do we make ourselves sick like that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so not wasting time on being hung over has like opened up so much for me like when I first got sober I started doing like open mics here in New York so I like got into comedy a little um I am not in the scene heavy but it was like you like figure it out you Mm -hmm. know what I mean you like figure out like what am I gonna do with my time how do I really want to connect with like the things around me because I think I used to run with, and I still know a lot of people who are like weekend warriors. You know what I mean? They like mm-hmm. work their nine to five, they work their nine to six, nine to seven, whatever, and then they have to drink because that's the only way they can forget about work. So they especially just in New York, especially in New York. Oh, and I wanted to talk about that too, especially in New York, because that's the only way they can forget about work for a weekend is if they're getting hammered yeah. or even just like that. Yeah, like that weekend, right. and then. But somehow they're still so productive those other days. Dude, I went to this finance party with a friend of mine. Like, no offense to finance people. Y'all are great, I'm sure. Um, but I walked in. It was his house party. And, like, not a LaCroix in sight. I was like, <laughs> I was like you know what I mean? I was like, God. I was, like, looking through this girl's fridge. Like, I think and I yeah. found, like, a Waterloo or something. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, it's just not even a part of the conversation for them. And, no. I, and I really think it's because life is so stressful. Like, life is mm-hmm. so stressful. Work is so stressful, especially when you have those jobs that are, like, in Manhattan where you feel like it's your whole life. Yeah. But if you can, like, figure out how to tap into that stress and deal with it, without substances you'll just like you'll grow so much and I think like something I've learned about myself is like um you know to let go of that you just don't really need okay here's what I forgot I've lost my train of thought I'm back I thought that you know 
with drinking, it was like helping me let go of everything, but it was actually just like creating this cyclical thing of like waking up on Sunday, like drinking on Friday, waking up on Sunday and like you're back to reality. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so you're not actually dealing with anything or connecting with anyone because you're just trying to escape. And we've talked about, am I an alcoholic? Will I ever go back to drinking? I've decided that if I am dealing with stress, dealing with anxiety, using a substance in a way as like a crutch, that's never where I want to be again because I think that's where it gets messy. Yeah. And you said you maybe want to stay sober until you love yourself again. I want to like stay sober until I know that it's like I'm choosing to use it. And you know, this is like a, a thing people say, but it's like, does the drink choose you or do you choose the drink kind of, you know? And it's like for yeah. a long time, I don't think I was choosing anything. Yeah. No, that's su- such a good point. And I think it really, it's, it's like kind of looking at like what effect drinking hat like has on you or what control it has on you mm-hmm. as a, as well as what control like you have over it and like what control or like lack thereof. It all kind of goes back to just that notion of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this kind of relates to the concept of, you know, I guess like being a quote unquote alcoholic versus, you know, being sober versus being alcohol free, like all the labels is like, I guess. Um, do you think that sobriety? Or like uh, being, you know, sobriety is black and white, or can there be a gray area? So, for example, there's that talk of like a damp lifestyle, or cutting back on back on alcohol, or doing a dry January, or drinking less. Like, is that possible? Is it possible for some people? You so, know. So, so the question is, I just want to make sure I get this right. Is like, do I think sobriety is black and white? Mm-hmm. It's. it's Here's, I think, like, it's what we want to do as people is we want to, like, like I said earlier, we want to put everything in a box. And we want to be able to say, like, sobriety is this and not that. But, like, and we want to be able to fit in with an identity. Like, that's the thing about labels, too, is, like, we want to be able to label ourselves. Yeah. Because I want to be able to have an answer for someone. But the reality is things are always changing. And everything is always impacted by the individual. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So there are there are people who maybe can never participate in substances ever again, you know? And I am Cali sober, whatever. That's my label. So I like take edibles sometimes, I smoke weed sometimes. And I can do that because I can just that's just how I and built right now but Mm -hmm. I'm also super cognizant of it you know what I mean it's kind of like I said I never want to be like I got my eyes wide open you know what I'm saying which I've never felt about substances before but I have friends who are in AA who who could never ever ever do that yep you know or at least that's how they feel right now and who's to say it's like right now like we label alcoholics as people who could be sober for 30 to 40 years and never have another glass of wine like that seems a little crazy to me yeah like you like you change like you change and I and that's the thing that frustrates me I think with like AA and like the hard and fast line of being sober straight edge sober is it's just like you're you're always changing Mm -hmm. and it's like 
something for me is like people always ask me, do you think you're going to drink again or do you not? And it's like I would love to be able to have a glass of wine from time to time. And I'm sure I'll be able to one day. Yeah. But like right now, you also can't predict the future. Exactly. Exactly. So I think you have to just you have to just stay checked in with yourself and you have to be so brutally honest with yourself. Yeah. Like like you just have to be honest with yourself about you and your personal relationship with your sobriety and your substance use. You know, I have. Oh, my gosh. I have so many, so many thoughts like you hit so many nails on the head with that. First one being like. Like, I saw (laughs) the number of times, (laughs) drink every time you hear me say, I saw a TikTok, just kidding, don't (laughs) drink it, drink water. (laughs) But, like, I saw a TikTok where a girl was talking about, in her opinion, sobriety is black and white. Like, there is no gray area. Um, And I'd say for, like, myself right now, that is the case. Mm -hmm. And, or, like, actually with all substances. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think, and her reasoning behind that was like the notion of restriction mm. is counterproductive in the sense of it's a lot easier just to say I'm not having anything to drink than I'm cutting back or I'm just going to have one drink. Like the number of times that I've said, oh, I'm just going to have one drink and then gone out. Are those are the times I blacked out? <laughs> so like clearly that was not working. And it's weird because and I just thought of this, but I think of restriction and my first thought goes to my eating disorder. And it's almost like if I'm restricting myself to one glass of wine and, and like at a night out or let's say two glasses of wine, then my, the whole night my mind is thinking about wine, 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 wine. Just how like with my eating disorder, when you're hyper-focused on how much you're consuming, your whole brain is just focused on like, food, 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 food. And that's like a big thing that I learned through like recovery in, in that area. So it's it makes so much sense putting the two together of being like, wow, okay, when I go out and I'm like hyper-focused on just, I'm not drinking a lot, I'm doing myself a disservice because I'm still focusing on drinking, whether it's a lot or a little or not at all. Like, dude, I totally hear you. Like in the early days, because I was like straight edge sober for, I was like straight edge sober for like six or seven months before I started smoking weed because, and when I say smoking weed, I like smoke sometimes on the weekends. Like Mm -hmm. I, I think weed is a substance that can absolutely be taken too far. Like people try to say weed is like, there's no issue with weed. Weed is not addictive, blah, blah, blah. I think that's bullshit. I think it's a substance that can allow you to escape. Yeah. And we're using substance. When you use a substance to escape, that's when it gets dangerous. Mm -hmm. And like whatever the research is on whether or not weed is addictive, it's definitely something that make can make you disconnect. Yep. But so in the early days, uh, I was like you. And it's just so easy to say I'm sober. Like, like, excuse me, but fuck off. Like, I don't want to have a drink. Yeah. Like, I am so. And it's in it. That word holds way more weight. And it's like I would sometimes have to, like, make people be scared of what I was like when I would drink to just get them to, like, to shut, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was another thing I saw. I was like, have you ever seen Requiem for a Dream? Oh, my God. Oh, my (laughs) God. I was going to start saying that. I've never even seen it. but Dude, I haven't watched that movie since high school, and I just remember it was, like, mad depressing. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. But what I want to say is, like, I think now for me, it can really be situational. So I've I've got two situations I want to talk about. I was, like, in my hometown, and there was this girl – 
who was asking me to have a drink with her and I was like maybe in a place I feel like maybe I'm in a place now where I could have a drink if I wanted to but I just do not ever I don't I don't know I'm still like I'm still figuring that out about myself Mm -hmm. but anyways I just had to say over and over and over again I'm sober I'm sober I'm sober you know what I mean and like I don't even know if I identify with the hard and fast sober identity anymore, b- but just to, to get her to leave me alone, I had to, you yeah. know? And then this is a thing, this is a new, new thing for me, and I haven't told anyone, and so talking about it on a podcast feels uh, like vulnerable, but I'm going to just go for it. Go for it. Um, I was at dinner with a close friend of mine and I had just signed for my new apartment. I'm like living alone for the first time, like feeling very much like a big kid. You know what I mean? And we went to dinner at the Williamsburg Hotel. So it was like beautiful. And I Mm -hmm. was like so excited. And I was with this person and he knew someone who worked there and they brought us these glasses of champagne completely unsolicited, like just to be sweet. The waitress was like, oh, this is on us. Like have this. And it was in this beautiful little glass and it just felt so okay. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like I felt so safe and I felt like this is just a celebratory like three or four sips of really, really nice champagne. And I was like, I think I'm going to drink this. And he was like, I think you should. And so I had like a glass of champagne about a month ago. Interesting. You know, and... And I've, I've been so nervous to say that for a couple of reasons. Number one is so many people will say, oh, well, you're fake sober then. You know what I mean? Like people will be like, oh, everything you've done for the last year and everything you'll do from here on out is n- null and void. You know what I mean? Is, is worthless. And that is like the conversation around it for some reason. Yeah. And then also what makes me nervous is my friends who, and I do have friends who want me to drink again, mm-hmm. being like, oh, oh, you're, you're good. good now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, so I had like one best friend who I love dearly, my closest friends, but he loves to party and he misses that I don't party with him. And I told him about it and he was like, oh, amazing. I'm throwing a party next weekend. We're having mimosas. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's not the point. Like, Yo, I'm not back on the horse. You know what I mean? That's like, honestly just like so good to hear. People cannot handle this gray area. Yeah. People cannot handle it. And I can barely handle it. I mean, but I know deep down in my heart, I never want to be back where I was. Yeah. And I love myself way too much now to ever fuck with that yeah you see what i'm saying it's so i'm like so glad you shared that and and it's funny because i was like gonna bring up a like similar idea of you know part of like and in the episode i recorded before this where i was like announcing to the world whatever i said you know like it's sad to think that i'm not going to be able to have a glass of champagne at my wedding or, like, go on, like, a wine tour in Napa Valley that I've always wanted to do. Right. And I had a friend, and then I was ca- I was talking to one of my friends, and she said, Zoe, like, I listened to your episode, and, and I just wanted you to know, like, you don't have to punish yourself. Mm. And I thought about that, and then I thought about the notion of, like, you know, like, being, like, saying... I'm Zoe, um, and I'm, you know, 30 days sober. I'm, I'm two years sober. And then one glass of, like, celebratory champagne ruining that. And, quote, like, 
relapsing, but right. like, is that? Right. And I'm the type of person who like, again, the obsessive personality in me likes numbers. Like I want to get to that next number. I'm five days right now. I want to get to six and I want to get to seven and so on and so forth. And I could totally see myself. I'm hopefully going to be in a good place when I'm getting married. And I don't want to deny myself something that in that moment is like what I want and like what I want to choose for the sake of keeping a number alive. Mm. And I think that's what's been the most scary part is like right now I have no interest in drinking. I am absolutely going to not touch alcohol for like a year at least. But I really hope that I'm in, you know, a better place in five years or whenever. And at that point, like, I hope to be able to go on, like, a, a tour to, well, not tour to France, like, you know, the wineries in France or do something beautiful like that and not feel so much shame. Because I feel like shame is really the root of those, that, those responses of, like, you're fake sober. It's like, why are you shaming me for, like, the opposite of what people shame you for? You know? Oh, I have so much. I have so many thoughts in my head. First of all, the conversation around like, oh, your last two years is worthless is like I said earlier, people are constantly comparing their relationship with alcohol, their relationships with substances to other people. Yep. And it makes them feel better about not being able to do that when they can say, oh, you fucked up and... I'm never going to do that because and because now everything you've done is worthless. So everyone's always trying to make sense of things in their head so and that project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I really sort of realized I need to go sober, I was talking to my sister on the phone and I just started crying because I we were talking about going to the beach and I just started crying because I was like, I don't think I'll ever be able to have another bottle of wine on the beach with you, you know? Mm hmm. Um, and I think I was talking to my, my past boyfriend who again is an angel. Um, he was like, yeah, but it's, it's not about the wine. It's about the connection, you know? And that is something that I've like held on to and that I do hold on to is like, we give wine and we give alcohol this weight and this power and this uh, prestige and like this this cultural relevance or whatever when in like reality it's like but it's not about the wine like you at your wedding you're not <laughs> you're not gonna drink a glass of champagne because like you think it has magic powers like yeah you're gonna drink a glass of champagne because you're like in this moment of connection mm -hmm. you know what I mean like connection just always needs to be first and uh, what you're talking about you know when you're in the early, it's like there are all these stages of sobriety. So like you're in the early s couple days stages, which is like exciting, but like the inevitable want is going to come back because you're going to get away from, you know, because I had like a scary moment and that's why I gave it up. I got in this yep. massive fight with my roommate and uh, I woke up the next day and she was so mad at me because I said something to her that was like so like mean. I hurt her feelings so badly. She didn't talk to me for two days. And I was like, oh, my God, I never, ever, ever want to do this again. I never want to put another relationship in jeopardy ever again. So yeah. I had, like, not a rock bottom moment, but a big moment where I was like, I never want this to happen again. Yeah. And as I got farther away, further away from that, you know, the want comes back. And the, like, oh, maybe it's okay comes back. And I was with 
again, my partner, who, you know, he was able to just sit with me and my wants. And so I think this is a good thing for people who are like supporting sober people or alcohol free people is like, first of all, we all know we don't need to drink. Like mm-hmm. he was never like preaching at me or finger wagging at me or giving me solutions or being like, you can't drink. You know what I yeah. mean? He knew and he gave me agency. And there was this one time where, and he had all these friends that would drink all the time. And I knew that his friends didn't think it was cool that I didn't drink. And I was so embarrassed about it one day. And I was like, it was just this day where I was like, I can't do what y'all do. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. Like sometimes it's cool. Sometimes I get to sit on a podcast and talk about how cool it is and talk about how much I love myself. But when I'm at a party with other people who are like getting drunk and having looking like they're having fun, I'm in like sometimes I'm embarrassed. You yeah. know, I used to be. I used you. to be. Now I'm in a su- but this is like the three month stage was the hardest for me. Three months, four months, like that kind of timeline was the hardest for me. And anyways, I was this is such a long story. I'm almost done. I'm sitting with my boyfriend and I'm like sobbing and I'm like, I just want a glass of wine. And he's like, if you want me to go get you a glass of wine right now, I will go get us a bottle of wine and you can you we will have it right now. Like, do you think that's going to fix how you're feeling? And I was like, no, <laughs> that's so good. Like, you know, like. Like, and I think that was a big, you asked me, like, what have you learned? That was, like, a massive lesson for me. It's, like, I feel like when we have these wants, we so often say to ourselves, like, I can't do that. There's, like, shame. I can't do that. I can't do that. That's a big no. That's, like, a big X on that. When it's, like, maybe you can let yourself play it out. Okay, let's say I can have that. Maybe let's go get a bottle of wine. How am I really going to feel after I drink that? Because ultimately you're thinking about it like or ultimately the question isn't why like why can't I drink but rather why do I care what these people think and like in letting yourself think like is this actually going to fix how I'm feeling yeah is this actually going to fix anything and what is it that I actually want because and I think this goes back to our like do we get to have a glass of a bottle of wine on our wedding day like what is it that you actually want? Do you want wine or do you want to feel connection with the people around you? Yeah. Do you, you know what I to mean? Make a toast like that. Yeah. And I think that something. was like a huge game changer for me too, is like the makeup of my friends has completely shifted and that will happen. Yeah. Like for people listening who are new to this, like if you go sober, if you are sober, your friends will change. You will lose friends and your friendships will shift. Because, number one, like we've been talking about, people can't watch you do something that they wish they could do and that Mm -hmm. they know deep down that they should do. Number two, your activities are just going to be different. You know, your life is going to look different. Yeah. But what you get to do, which is one of the most exciting things, even though it's tough, is you get to connect with people that you actually like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mind-blowing. I'm like what like like that has been one of the biggest lessons for me is I'm like I like all of my friends yeah I like them I love them I hang out with them and I can be myself you know it's like I think about this a lot of like if I sat and it was like if I was stuck in a room with someone for two hours could I have a meaningful conversation with them and I think of some people in my life who like 
are more like recent friends. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Whereas I think of friends who I've, who I've known for 20 years or 10 years who, and it's not a coincidence that they're childhood friends because, you know, wasn't really pounding beers at mm-hmm. five years old. Mm-hmm. And it's not a coincidence that like those are the people that have stayed in my life for so long and that I can sit down and just chat with and our life doesn't revolve around drinking mm-hmm. and in that sense. And um, I think it's it's so interesting the number of times like we talk about connection because that's the quote that Brene Brown, mm-hmm. all hail, mm, my queen, um, brought up in this uh, podcast I interviewed, or <laughs> I wish, <laughs> podcast I listened to. If you're listening Brene, to this, get Renee, on here. Please, I literally emailed I her. I would die. She said she was too busy. I was like, <laughs> one day. But she said the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Totally. 100%. And, like, first of all, so true. It's exactly what you've been saying. And also, like, earlier when I mentioned how I think my relationship with alcohol has gotten worse as I've gotten older, I honestly think it's because, like, when I was, I was, like, the happiest I ever was in my life at, like, 17, 18, 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And I had a perfectly healthy relationship. I mean, granted, shouldn't have been drinking then because it was illegal. Sorry. But... That I was like the sober friend. I was like the mom, you know. I would like be like, guys, everyone drink a lot of water. Like we're going out to a frat party, and it wasn't until like my mental health started deteriorating, deteriorating my sophomore year of college, when I started having nights where I would get too drunk, and I started having nights where I'd black out, and I think like having that connection, the healthy connection with yourself, healthy connection with others, it's. It's not a coincidence that, like, these past six months for me have been so brutal. Like, I have – I had a lot of, like, people in my life who kind of – betrayal is, like, a strong word, but the first thing that comes to mind and just people who I thought had better intentions for me than they actually did. And as a result of that, I've been so lonely in Austin. And, like, a way to escape that is – you know, not wanting to think about it and having a glass of wine and then smoking some weed and then going to bed at 7 p.m. because you just want to forget about it. And I think, so when I say, like, I don't want to drink until I love myself, that's a very, like, lofty goal because self-love is a hard thing in in my body. But I think it's more of, like, I don't want to drink again until, or do, like, use any substances until I feel like the connections in my life are all super strong, super stable, and the attachments to them are healthy, mm-hmm. including myself. Totally. Totally. Oh, I ha- there's so much that I want to say. Um, I think it does all really come back to, like, we can't – you know, it's like we don't want to sit with our negative feelings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And when we're, like, confronted with, like, not being happy, being lonely, not liking someone, we think, like, oh, well, like, I'll just drink and I'll just escape, you mm-hmm. know? And the hardest thing to do, but the best thing to do is, like, just sit, just sit in it. 
it's okay. Like we don't have to get rid of our sadness so fast. You just got to feel through it. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, I, I knew that I, I mean, I have social anxiety. I have like a, I don't know if I have social anxiety because I've never been officially diagnosed with it, but I have this feeling every time I'm in a room of people where my anxiety is like, I need to make everyone feel as comfortable as possible. I need to like make everyone feel, I just go into like host mode 100%. I do too much. You know what I mean? And so drinking would help me get rid of that. And so in the beginning, when I gave up drinking, you like get this feeling of like, ooh, 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 I'm anxious, I'm anxious. I need a drink in my hand. I need something. But if you can just wait it out, it's gonna go away. Yeah. Like if you can just like center yourself this one time before I was smoking weed at all. So when I was 100% sober, sober, I was sitting and I was talking with this person. Everybody around me was drinking and I was feeling so anxious. Like I was just so like, I don't know what to say. Like I couldn't, I was like, I can't even think about what she's saying right now. You ever get that anxious? Yeah. You're, you're like, like thinking about every other, yeah, you're your just mind's like, like racing. Gosh, you're just like, you're like, she's talking at me and I have no idea what she's saying. You know what I mean? And I'm dead sober. <laughs> and I'm so sober and I'm just stressed and sad and I wish I could drink. You know what I mean? Because dude, it's easy to, j- it's easier just to have a drink. Yeah. Like it's just so easy, you know? And it's a nice little uh, quick fix. It's a nice little bandaid for our anxiety. And so I'm in this moment and I'm looking at her and she's talking to me and I'm anxious. And then I'm like, I don't know what came over me because I don't meditate enough. But I was just like, okay, how is my body feeling right now? And I like sort of checked in and I realized that like, it's like my arms were tense. It's like my whole body. Sorry, it's probably not close enough. But it's like my whole body was like tight. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, like relax. You know what I mean? Like just check in with yourself, like check in with yourself and feel it out and like get through it because that anxiety, that want to escape is going to come back around. You know what I mean? And we just need to like sit with it sometimes. No, that's so spot on. It's Um, so much easier said than done though. Oh yeah. I, I'm luckily at the point, like I I haven't been at the point yet where I'm confronted with that, but it's like, Mm -hmm something to keep in the back of my mind. Glennon Doyle says, stay on the mat. That's mm. what her thing is. It's like, stay with the mat, one. sit with it. It's you really know. serendipitous that I listened to this episode. Right oh my God. Is Glennon Doyle, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Brene than Glennon Doyle. Is she sober as well? Yeah. Okay, yeah, well. Classic. Love um, her. What I wanted to say, oh, what did I want to say? Okay, I think that like, the level of accessibility sort of like, can change our relationship with alcohol too. Like I was in the Peace Corps mm-hmm. and I lived in a small remote village where like nobody was drinking and I really couldn't get beer at all, you know? And so I would like go to a neighborhood village where they actually had a beer and I would have a beer. And I was like so able to have a healthy relationship with beer because it like wasn't so accessible. Yep. I feel like in America, probably anywhere, not everywhere, but, you know, in so many places, especially in cities, it's just like you can, I could go downstairs right now and buy a case of beer. I could go across the street and go to the restaurant and get a glass of wine. Like when something is so accessible, it's so easy to just overdo, you know what I mean? Oh, it's so true. It's like, and just the, the media portrayal around it. Like I lived in Greece with my family for 
a year and in Greece there's like no drinking age you could pretty much be 14 and have a glass of wine but because people don't have this like weird like mentality around drinking of like you know first you're underage drinking and you're doing it secretly and then you're at in college and you're binge drinking and then it you carry all that all over to your really intense job and so people like there there's this island I forget what it's called but where they drink like wine and have you know olive oil and mm -hmm. you know they live till like 110 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and their like relationship with these and they just smoke cigarettes like not say you should but you know it's just it's so much th they're living so much longer and they're so much happier and I think that's where the United States comes in and, and like we're so unhappy we're drinking way too much and mm -hmm. Those two things are very related. So often, I think, like, in, in American culture, we think, like, more is more. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely, like, my issue when I was drinking. It would be, and we talked about this before the episode, but it was, like, there was never a moment where I was, like, drinking at a party where I was, like, maybe I'll slow down. I'm, like, oh, yeah. I'm, like, this is so much fun. Let's see how far it can go. And, like, we just don't, like, that's not built into our culture to, like, take it slow mm -hmm. and, like, call it quits. It's, like, do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It's, and like, at the root of literally everything, whether it's right. work, whether right. it's, you know, school and trying, like, you know, starting earlier and earlier, sports, and, like, every everything in life is, like, especially, as you said, like, in cities, and it just, like, go, 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 go. Yeah. Yeah. And it bleeds into everything. If only, like, I mean, in moderation is something I'm not good with, you know? And I know I brought up, like, drinking that glass of wine. Like, I still identify, that glass of champagne, I still identify as being completely alcohol-free. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Because it's just, like, I can't go to, I don't want to ever go to a party and people think that I can drink. Yeah. Because then it won't. Because then it will just. It won't be a glass spiral. of champagne. No, be. it never is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so moderation is key but i think we have to be so honest if we can actually participate yep or not you know it's like a really getting a sense of yourself and exactly and that's like i think the biggest lesson and like what i think is just true is like you have to and this is like you know i think the secret to life is like check in with yourself and be like i guess glennon doyle says on your own mat like in your own shoes mm -hmm. like dude I don't care what anyone else is doing. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can get some advice and I can learn, you know, like I sort of said, I'm like the youngest of four. So I got to learn from everyone before me. I'm so lucky. But at the end of the day, you are the only one in your own body. And like, you need to be honest with yourself about what you can and cannot do, you know? And yeah. And it's hard and it takes a lot of work, but I think, and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of fuck ups. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like w I gave up drinking. We talked about this little. I gave up drinking for that boyfriend of mine that I've mentioned a thousand times, who I am not dating, which <laughs> is probably I don't know. But anyways, um, he make he gives up drinking for Lent every year, and the first time I ever took a break from drinking is I gave up Lent with him two years ago in 2020, 2020, 2021. I don't know. Anyways, and I get just, I hated it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, I hated it and I wanted to have a drink and I was like, this is so stupid. And I think like, and so at the end of it, it's like we talked about, I just, I did really relapse. That yeah. was a true relapse. Mm -hmm. 
where I we went out to a wine bar and I am not kidding. I drank more than I've ever drank in my whole life. By the end of the night, we ended up at some random guy's apartment. Like I threw up outside of an Uber. Like the next day I was like, you know what I mean? Yep. That was like a true relapse. And so I think you just have to be like curious about how you're feeling. Like don't Mm -hmm. be so, you know what I mean? Just, and I think people doing dry January who do these tiny stents of being sober, like it's not about just getting to the finish line. I have another friend who did Sober October, and I was at a party. Somebody opened a cabinet door, and there were, like, a bunch of shrooms in the cabinet. And uh, somebody's like, where are, all these sh- where are these shrooms in here? She's like, oh, well, I did, so- I did Sober October, and so I just did a bunch of shrooms. <laughs> I'm like, girl, that's not the same. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's like, like, not a thing to conquer. Yes. It's a thing to, like, do for yourself. Yes. And, and to be- do yes. to make yourself feel better which is like what I'm coming to and or like what I came to to realize and then that's like where this journey really is for me is like not doing it for anyone else but myself or like the yeah not not like needing an excuse like a dry January like a sober October but just being like this is for me and that's okay so One thing I am very bad at is cooking. And not only am I bad at it, but I just really don't like it. I know this is something I need to work on. And I one day will, you know, really buy a bunch of cooking books and teach myself how to navigate a kitchen. But that day is not today. And so I am very thankful for Sakara because as a student with a part-time job and a um, podcast in a field placement, I don't have much time. And I know that's an excuse I was making when I had all the time in the world, but now I really don't have time. And so Sakara delivers fully prepared meals to your doorstep that are healthy, nutritious, and filling. So for someone like me who needs to literally have food placed in front of them in order to eat regularly and keep up with, you know, maintaining a health, both a healthy relationship with food and also just a schedule. Um, Sakara has been such a blessing and I am so lucky that I've been partnering with them for over two years now, um, to provide you all with 20% off your first purchase. So if you're like me and are just not able to fit in time to, you know, make a meal or are ordering out every single day because it's easier but it's dropping so much money, give Saqqara a try. The food's so good. I especially actually really love the breakfast. They have like really great muffins and things that um, are my personal favorite. And I also really, really love their probiotics. So two very different things, but you can order them all. Just use my code XOZOE. That's X-O-Z-O-E at checkout and I'll get 20% off your purchase. So give it a shot and let me know what you think. So I always wrap up with the same couple of questions and we'll see if I have to, you know, add any um, now that I have this like new segment, but I'll just use the same ones. So the first question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? I feel like I should say, like, not including sobriety, because otherwise everyone would just say that. <laughs> it doesn't have to be big. It can be, like, anything. Totally. 
This is going to be so cliche, I think. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, I'm taking a long time. I just want to think for one second. No, take your time. The hardest thing for me, it's so cliche, um, but yeah, when I joined the Peace Corps, I was truly alone. You know, I was so alone and so out of my comfort zone. And I and I I don't think like travel fixes everyone or travel changes everyone. But like it was the first time where I had to figure out kind of exactly what we're saying, which is to sit with myself. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, so I know it's cliche, it's um, not cliche. Like how many? <laughs> you're literally the only person I know who's done the Peace Corps. I know. Oh gosh, and the Peace Corps has got you know a bag of issues that it probably needs to deal with. Um, you know, it's not perfect, but it definitely like changed my life for sure. Like I came back from the Peace Corps right at the pandemic, and um, yeah, I just like I knew what it was like to be alone. You know, mm -hmm. so that's probably what it is. That's so cool. And I've never had that answer. <laughs> Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Oh, gosh. I think you can give everything a reason. Mm -hmm. I, because I, I think really shitty things happen to people for no fucking reason. And it sucks. And it's like, I think, though, we can all take our circumstances and give it reason. Yep. Do I think, like, you know, people are born into situations that are extremely devastating and difficult for a reason? No. I think that we as people have the autonomy and, and the power, hopefully, and the community and support to give all of our harder times reason. Yeah. You know? To find a reason as to why something could have happened. Totally. Or find totally. Now, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Oh, goodness gracious. Quotes and mantras. Um, I need to, like, I've been trying to get into intentions. I've been trying to get into, like, prayer in a sense, not prayer in, like, a traditional way. But, like, um, I don't have, like, one saying that I always go back to, you know what I mean? But sort of, like, I think it's everything that we've been saying up to this point is like sort of my my mantra, my my goal is to like do everything like for yourself in a way. Like even if you're serving others, even if you're doing something for other people, like you've got to like check in with you first. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I'm the kind of girl, I think it comes from like being from the South, being you know, a, a daughter being like the whatever, like, uh, you know, I've always like made myself smaller or like made decisions based on making people feel comfortable, mm -hmm. like so much of my life. And I think that's what sobriety has really, really allowed me to do, which is to like choose myself in every decision. And that is not the same as being selfish. Do you know what I mean? absolutely like like i am not giving you a green light to do whatever the you want to do you know what i mean but no, i'm just saying so good to know because it's it's like people pleasing stems from that so many things stem from 
wanting to make other people happier and you know that results as you said make yourself smaller in you know maybe like not standing up for yourself in certain situations and in backing down in being friends with some people who maybe you shouldn't be friends with Mm -hmm. and so it's really good to hear that like that's something you've learned and pulled from sobriety it's just like know yourself know your values know your boundaries and like connect with them and and respect them you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. listen to yourself and choose yourself but again I think sometimes like that can be mixed in with like like I'm not trying to just live for myself yeah I'm trying to just you were in the peace corps (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone thinks you're selfish in Benin, uh, Africa. Being human is being selfish, though. That's you know true. what I mean? We're all like, I trust me. That tr- you know what I mean? We all got to fight that. Yeah. But yeah, but that's that's my, that's what I'm trying my best to go back to is like know myself, love myself, love others. You know what I mean? Love I yourself, love, love others. Like, Next question is, what do you love most about yourself? Okay. Um, I think I am a really intentional listener and I think that no matter who someone is or no matter where someone comes from or what someone maybe like has to offer me or doesn't have to offer me I love to make people feel seen you know what I mean mm-hmm. um like w- like I have some friends who are New Yorkers who are like don't smile at people it's dangerous. Yeah. And I get that to an extent, but I just like, I love that about myself. And I think that like, yeah, like what I like about myself is I can like see people and no matter who they are, where they come from, you know what I mean? Yep. No, I love that. And you are just such a bright light because of that. <laughs> Thank you. Last question, which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city? Oh my God. Well, uh, Okay, I have a two-part answer. Go for it. Which my answer is a bit contradictory. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of a yin and yang, right? It's like I have some friends that take care of me. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm very much like a chosen family kind of girl. Like mm-hmm. love my family, but like so many other families, we got some issues. <laughs> and <laughs> they're not always the people I call first. Yeah. And... I have like a best friend who if I need anything, I know I can go to her. So like, how do I find solace in the city? That's part one. I have my friends and I have my community. And again, going back of people I really like and trust. And then part two is like being able to be alone. Yeah. You know, like I have this place. I'm, I'm like so blessed is like a loaded term. I'm like lucky. I'm blessed. I'm whatever. I don't know, but I live in this apartment by myself now and I'm just so excited to create a space where I can be alone and that is fully mine and I can sit with myself and sit with my feelings and like think about how I feel and, you know, be alone. Yeah. And so how do I find solace in the city? It's that yin and yang of like being able to be alone and sit with myself, but also having connection with enough people and enough community that I know that I'm not doing it alone. I'm not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that makes perfect sense. And and I relate a lot to that. Also, I have a friend who has 
a parents or her parents live in Westchester and they have a pool. So I guess that's, that's sold so us out of the city. <laughs> it's uh, that's one answer I got was like getting out of it. I was like, okay, <laughs> true. That's a sweet little treat when I can so go nice. up to Westchester. Yeah. yeah, I know my parents are gonna be in New Jersey for a while, so on the shore. But hope, thank you so much for thank coming you so much on. For having oh my me. gosh, I can't wait just to give you the biggest hug. Um, and yeah, bye everyone. <laughs>